Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free Posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. You're listening to the Portrait System Podcast. It was incredible. I never wanted to be married in my life. I always thought, like, whatever, I'd rather have a business than a husband. Like, it seems more effective. And and now I just have, I feel like I have both, and it's incredible. I love being married. This is the Portrait System Podcast, a show that helps portrait photographers and people hoping to become one navigate the world of photography, business, money, and so much more. We totally keep it real. We share stories about the incredible ups and the very difficult downs when running a photography business. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and the point of this podcast is for you to learn actionable steps that you can take to grow your own business and also to feel inspired and empowered by the stories you hear. Hey everyone, this week Sue Bryce is back on The Portrait System for our 100th episode. Hosting this podcast brings me so much joy and I love doing it so much. And of course, Sue was the perfect guest for number 100. This time, Sue got personal and shared quite a bit about her life. We talked about what her journey with entrepreneurship has been like personally. And as always, she does some incredible teaching about how to make your own dream life a reality. Sue is always the absolute best to chat with, and I hope you enjoy listening. Hi, Sue Bryce. How are you today? I'm very good, thank you. How are you doing, Nikki Klasser? I am wonderful. I'm wonderful. This is our 100th episode. I like that you, 100. Said, that you said our. It's your 100th episode. What does that <laughs> feel like? I mean, I'm proud, right? So, But you did 100, 100 amazing interviews. It, you know, it's funny because I was thinking about it. It doesn't even feel like 100 episodes. You know how sometimes you feel like, oh my gosh, it's taken forever to get here? It doesn't even feel like it. But when I scroll through and I look at all the names of the incredible photographers and just people I've interviewed, it just blows my mind. It's just so cool. What did you tell me last week at the conference? You said um, you were talking about being in your flow or staying in the right lane, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've always... I always say it's one of the hardest things to do when you're building a business is to find out what your superpower is and then stay in your lane. But, you know, I know we talked about it a few interviews back where we were saying it was going, it was never a question for me that you were going to do our podcast because you were already podcasting, right? You were doing busy as a mother and you're already finding your voice. So it's like, you don't ever, I don't ever give people opportunities unless they're already walking the walk or talking the talk at, at, to that point so you were already doing that and then you've just taken it and run with it and what top 10 in marketing in the u.s at a 48 million podcast that's um pretty amazing uh it's definitely something i i feel very proud of i've said this before it's like i've i've always been okay at a lot of things i'm an okay photographer i'm an okay roller skater i mean you know, not to like not give myself credit because there are things I'm definitely good at, but this I feel like is something I'm I'm really good at. Like I love doing it so much, and it just comes naturally. I feel you know, so I've I been like mediocre. Teaching. Yeah, teaching yeah. for me just came naturally to me. I don't yes. know why. Mm. Yeah, very yeah. natural. 
Yeah. And and like you said, with staying in your own lane, if you can figure out what your lane is, I mean, I know you're going to say everyone knows what their lane is, but to really just work it out and just walk that path is everything. I don't think people know what their lane is. I think people are just discovering what lights them up and what they're most drawn to and what they mm. just want to consistently do. The biggest thing for me was not being able to work out what my lane was, but actually working out what my flow was. Um, because at first, when you start to think about what you want, you don't see the bridge to how to get there. Mm. So you spend all this time, but how, going, but how, but how, instead of just following it and just walking towards it. It's that thing that gives you goosebumps, you know, when you're talking about it with mm-hmm. a friend and it just feels right. You've got to follow it and then start yeah, doing it. Yeah. And then you'll see the destination and you'll like, I'm a far, far cry from there. But, you know, I mean, I felt for years like I was standing at the edge of a, a big crevasse, like the Grand Canyon. I could see yeah. where I wanted to go. I just couldn't build that bridge to get over there. And it just felt insurmountable to me instead of being joyful in my flow that's so hard to do. You are clearly joyful in your flow when you're interviewing and podcasting. Well, it's interesting because when I think about the way that, the way in which we interact with people. So, you know, I have a lot of girlfriends. I know you know that, you know, I can have conversations with people, no problem. That's my lane. Where you, when we're having conversations, you teach and you, and not in like a preachy, I'm always teaching way, But there's something about when you have conversations with people that you are always helping people to learn and to become their best selves. Always. That's kind of annoying. Just comes so naturally. It's kind of what? That's kind of annoying. (laughs) No, no. It's not though. People never say to me, I just wanted to vent. (laughs) Like, couldn't you just (laughs) let me vent? And I was like, "Um, well, if you're venting, then you're maybe stuck around a communication that I might be able to help you get to a resolution with. (laughs) Right. And uh, I think for the first many, it's definitely who I am as a human being, but I think what the mistake I made was I was always trying to come get people to a solution instead Mm. of a resolution, you know, and I was like, Mm -hmm. you don't always want a solution finder in your life because I'm, I'm a problem solver and a solution finder first in business and in life. And uh, that can be really annoying when you are stuck on something and all you're hearing from me is get to a solution. Here's a solution, get to a solution. And then I realized it's more of a resolution. You need to understand how you feel about it how it's resistance in you and what you're doing about it. And so I I tried to definitely be better at that. So I wasn't that kind of friend, (laughs) but it is who I am at the core. So that is annoying for some people. Well, no, I think it's almost like a good therapist. You guide people. I hope so. You know, you ask the right questions in order to guide them to figuring out their own solution. You realize this is my path every day with myself. Like I don't just Mm. do this because I want other people to hear my voice or that I have all the answers. I am that person to myself. I am, Mm -hmm. I'm always trying to understand everything that I've created in my life and how I can create more of, share more of, have deeper meaning with, have more intense connection to humans, uh, students, um, my business, my relationship. It's I am so driven on a daily basis to develop in myself that I 
really want other people to understand that you life is not happening to you. It is a manifestation of everything that you think, say, do, everything that you're being and seeing. So if you can shift your mindset and observe for a little bit and just see yourself as more, then you just keep becoming more. And I was the more I changed, the more I grew, the more I wanted to share that with people. So I think yeah, I've gotten yeah. better at resolution finding and not, but I am that person for me first. Yeah. Yeah. Intensely. And you have, you have, I've even noticed just, and again, not that there was anything wrong with the way you helped coach and just whether your teacher, you had your teacher hat on or friendship hat on with me, I have noticed a little bit of a shift and it's, Do you know it's what amazing. It is? I'll tell you what it is and you what, can tell me what? if you identify yeah. this. Um, the first, I'm going to say from 2012 until 2000 and maybe 15, 16, yeah, 16, right through to 16, 12 to 16, first five years of, of really educating, I spent the whole time defending what I had created to mm-hmm. prove that it worked mm-hmm. to people. Like mm-hmm. people would just naysay it. Like I'd put education out there and they go, this is not going to work. Pff, nobody even wants this. Pff, you can't mm-hmm. make money doing this. Pff, you can't do this in my town. You can't do this in my country. You can't do this in my... And I would sit there and I'd say, but I did. And they go, mm-hmm. yeah, but you're Sue Bryce. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Like you didn't even know me when I was building a business. You're only meeting the person 10 years later that built a successful business model. I spent so much time just defending myself and what I'd created that I almost got to a point where I was like, you know what? You guys just go and do you. Like clearly you don't believe me. So I did it and I'll just take the people that want to try. And then mm-hmm. I watched you, I watched all these people just come through SBE and start building successful businesses and really make money and really build like futures and lives and buy houses and get health insurance, um, self-employed and retire their spouses to work in their businesses and and open other businesses that, that run in parallel mm-hmm. to these businesses. And that that evidence um, that you interview that that is the basis of this podcast is the people that actually walk their own path and then they did it and for me is that evidence yes is it social proof that this works yes that it works I don't know what people are saying like does this work or this doesn't work it's only what you want to create in your life that's mm-hmm. all I did was created a business model that was really successful for me and really joyful. So the first five years was just me constantly defending myself. And I am a hot-tempered, feisty woman. (laughs) When I'm challenged, I'm going to come out swinging. So there were so many times on live broadcasts where I like just, you know, I, I was challenged and I challenged people straight on back. I was challenged being mm-hmm. a woman in business. I was challenged being a woman educator. My first broadcast, my biggest broadcast in the US that, that got me to hear on Creative Live in 2012, one of the biggest questions were, where are all the men in the world killing it at this? And I was like, I don't know, but if you meet any send them my way. And it made me angry. I was like, what, I can't be a successful woman. And so I felt like I was fighting the first five years. I was just fighting to be on the stage. 
And then people mm-hmm. say, you know, you have no education, your grammar is appalling, you're, you know, they would say the most random things to me, you're, you know, physically criticizing me or whatever. And and it was tough. And I remember thinking, why do people want to do this if you get up here and all people do is tell you that it's not going to work and that she's ridiculous and that, you know, she's lying. Oh, I heard it all in the first, you know, few months. And then mm-hmm. it just kept kept finding people that wanted to try. And then now I have all this evidence. So to me, the fact that you have this audience now that you can just call on and say, hey, tell me about how you broke through. Tell me about what your business looks like. Tell me where it is and how you did it. And tell me what the path was for you and what were your challenges. That's mind-blowing to me. Six years later, after launching SBE, we now have all these people that we can talk to that are not me. And it's, wow. Why, I mean, what do you, you listen to these stories every week. What blows you away the most? How, okay, everyone is so different. Everyone has a different experience, a different, you know, where they came from, where they grew up, how they approached the business. But there are those common commonalities that are always there. Mastering my craft, mastering my money, mastering my self-value. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. So it doesn't matter if I'm interviewing Farooq who went through war in Iran or, you know, Bethany in small town, North Dakota. It's amazing how underneath it all, yes, it's a different story and they had a different way that they got there, but it is all the same underneath. It's, it's, an, it's incredible. Mm, it is really incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of, so I made a post in the group just saying, okay, we're doing our 100th episode. It's Sue and I. What do you want to hear? And so many people had personal questions. They want to know, you know, the behind the scenes of, okay, so you moved from Australia to Seattle, then to LA. Like, in the meantime, you started this whole education business. Like, what was all of that like? Was it a whirlwind? Was it easy? Mm-hmm. Uh, take us through that. After I built my first business in New Zealand, I hit rock bottom when I moved to Australia because I made the fatal mistake of knowing that I had run my course with my portrait studio. I wanted to start educating in an international space. It's what I wanted. It was what I was being called to do, profoundly called to do it. I went to Melbourne um, I met Jerry Gionis. He was really blown up and educating in the US and became a friend. And I met Sally Sargood and made some lifelong friends there. And I was really enjoying being in the Australian professional photography industry because it was much bigger than New Zealand. And, you know, New Zealand, during the time I grew my business, New Zealand photographers didn't do workshops. New Zealand photographers did not, like, meet up or we had the AI at the NZIPP, which is an incredible body. But, you know, we were essentially not a team. We were more like competitors and we would meet for competition, which I was winning at. So I was effectively coming up through the ranks in a competitive state. Um, There was no like come and talk about your successful business or 
You know, New Zealand mm. was was a small place then that we didn't share like that. There was no online education for portrait. Um, my business model was incredibly unique at the time. I knew it was because there was nothing else like it anywhere I went. Mm. And then when I came to Australia, I got straight into the AIPP, which was a huge body of professional photographers. They did do workshops. They were educating. You know, I started to get into that world and instantly got asked to speak in it. And then I spoke. And the year I did my first talk in Australia for Canon, I just to 25 people, I then booked a 300 um, talk at our national conference in Australia. And then from that talk, I booked 17 international talks in 12 months. Wow. And so I could teach and shoot anywhere in the world that I wanted because I was capable of doing both. And so I traveled for a couple of years and just taught and photographed. And you really have to, you know, ask yourself two questions when you start anything is, do I have the um, desire to get up every day and follow this? Because mm -hmm. that joy has to actually bring you to consistency and congruency because without those two things, you're never going to create anything. It's just going to be a flash in the pan. And I have a lot of brilliant ideas that don't work <laughs> for me. They, <laughs> I'm not going to say they're not brilliant because they might work for somebody else, but I'm always trying to grow that. So I always have to try something and follow it. I realized I didn't like doing in-person workshops. I'm much better mm -hmm. um, educating through an online media or on stage um, for big talks. They're, that's what light me up the most. They're the, my most powerful talks. I can move the most amount of information and connect with the most amount of people. And it really lights me up. You know, so there was a lot of things I tried that I didn't enjoy that I had to let go of or outsource. I mean, I was never going to be a podcaster, you know, because I talk too much, clearly. <laughs> It's just not who I am and you're so good at it. So, like, I know my strengths and I stay in my lane and I learn to just be really joyful in my lane. When I got here, um, I started to go to the big conferences. I went to WPPI in 2010 and nobody talked about portrait business. Nobody showed posing. Nobody talked about money. Nobody talked about self-value or confidence or networking. And I was like, oh, I do all of those things. So I started to understand that the speakers that I thought were going to be the best speakers in the world were speakers that actually taught on stage. And I call it teach talk because, you know, yeah, I do a, I do a stage keynote for 90 minutes and the narrative is really around my experience, but the bullet points that I'm hitting throughout that narrative are all for you. And if they're not, then you don't have that audience. You know, an audience is going to listen to you, but they're not really going to be engaged if they're not getting anything from it. So I just started to teach um, while I was on stage and I made sure that my keynote was just packed with visuals of before and mm. afters. And and then I was just getting the highest rated speaker at, you know, WPPI in this many years. And then I got highest rated speaker at PPA and then they keep giving me this feedback. And I was like, well, this is the way forward for educators and instructors and content creators is you want to engage people, but you've got to teach mm -hmm. them something and it really got to a point that after five years of doing that, I still couldn't stop the amount of content that I was creating for mm -hmm. the people following me. So I started SBE based on the simple fact that most people probably saw my creative live. And I did three big creative lives. I did Glamour Photography, three-day intro. I did Inside the Glamour Studio, which was five days 
of business, makeup, hair, and everything inside the Glamour Studio. And then I did mm-hmm. 28 days. Most people would look at that body of work and say, she's got nothing else to teach. I launched SPE, <laughs> right? Two years right. later, I, by the time I got to 2015, I realized I couldn't just keep doing more creative life classes. I just had this content flowing out of me. That's when Aaron Anderson, my business partner now, who is my um, producer from Creative Live, left and came to LA and started working with me. And we filmed 76 videos in six months. And at that point, I knew that I had so many more. I just, I couldn't stop creating this content. It was flowing out of me quite naturally. Mm -hmm. People were resonating with it. We launched with 76. And, you know, six years later, we have over a hundred, over a thousand videos on SBE. That's a lot of content. Yeah. 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 Wow. So it's kind of like, it just keep coming and it keep building and I keep following my joy. I got stuck many times in the process. I got stuck when I moved to Australia thinking I could um, become an educator, but then not actually stepping up or doing the work. I talked about it. I said I was going to do it. But when it came time to putting myself out there as a speaker or an educator or doing a workshop, I wasn't doing it until I hit rock bottom financially again. And then I was like, how did I get here? I broke through money. I broke through selling. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, I'm back to square one. I'm back to the person that I'd been all these years of not being able to ask for money, not stepping up into any Mm -hmm. opportunity. It wasn't until I got to there that I was like, I know what I'm not doing. I'm not doing it. I'm saying I want it, but I'm not doing it. And for all of you out there starting your portrait business, you're not doing it yet. You know you're not doing it because if it's not working, you're not doing it. You're just thinking about it, resisting it, talking about it. And there's a point where you actually just have to start doing it when you're like, now I'm now I'm walking towards it. So education, same thing, you know, up the mountain, different, uh, same view, different altitude. Um, building mm-hmm. SBE, I had so much more confidence. I had so much more physical confidence. I had so much more self-power. I had found my voice, my flow. I was in my lane. Still, it was still hard. It was still terrifying. It was still uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It was still an area that I had not experienced or known. And I was putting myself out there real big time. I was getting big following in the tens of thousands. And, you know, you get trolled, you get smacked down and they hurt. And it's, you're just learning and learning. And it was, it was as huge as growing my portrait business, but it was just, and, you know, it was more of. Okay. So obviously your lane is creating, educating. What about everything else that comes along with running and creating this this huge, massive education business. Like, I think about the team that you had around you and just the things that you knew were not your superpower or that you should be doing. You know, how did you manage all of that? And how did you find your team and just everything that comes along with it? Yeah, it comes down to the community of people around you. And that's where I had to focus all of my attention was like, Nobody gets to be in my space um, unless they are helping their energy. I, I mean, I'm just not mm-hmm. a traditional employer. I'm not going to be a boss. <laughs> I don't want to be a boss. I actually, uh, I should never manage people. I, sh- I barely manage myself. Um, I needed people. I identified really early on that I need people around me that manage me, not the other way around. 
-hmm. I also Mm -hmm. learned really early on that um, I want people around me that come into the room with an equivalent energy. I don't need subservient people. I don't need people around me that are walking on eggshells. Like I need all my players to be strong players in their own space because I Mm -hmm. want to be a colleague um, and I don't want to be a boss. You know, like I called Jason my assistant for the longest time and it was weird calling him my assistant because he really was my partner every day. He was my body double. He was my, you know, work partner. He was my travel partner. And even calling him my assistant was like wrong because it just put him somewhere there. And it's like, you know, I've always said you're my number one because you are my number one person. You're my number one choice. You are my number one, always my number one. So... I had to get people around me that were going to actually support me. But Mm -hmm. this is what I learned about people. They don't stay with you. So whenever I employ or contract or work with any human being, I always give them the speech. Um, I give them the talk about self-value, equal exchange, and money exchange. Mm -hmm. Um, I tell them that I have an open dialogue with money, that if you can't talk to me about your income, because I'm the one that pays you, then we have a problem. Um, And I make sure that money is on their table as an open conversation. The second thing I do Mm -hmm. is I say, what are you most drawn to with working for me? Why? With me. Why? Why do you want to work with me? And I have to get that answer in its authenticity because when it is true, people really give you this incredible reason why they want to be on your team. Then I say, where are you going to go in the next three years? Because if you don't have a skill set that is developing, you're probably not going to hold my interest. I need people that are Mm. multi-skilled at different things, but it's not the skill that I want you to have. It's the desire to learn it. Because everybody that comes to me is about to step up to another level, as am I. And when I go up a step, you'll have to come on up the step as well because (laughs) I'm going up. And I'll take you with me if you want to come up. But you need to develop something. So, you know, I watched you buy a house. I watched you have babies. I watched you go through that. But then I watched you master your business and then say, now I need to go up a level. And you chose podcasting and sharing and creating, you know, workshops. And that was your step up. Well, I'm always taking a step up. I'm going to continue taking a step up. I have no desire in my life to stay static in any way, shape or form, I will keep stepping up until the day I die. And if I'm lucky enough that I get the opportunity to keep doing that, then I'm now more excited about what I can create in my future instead of like, how or is it possible? So every single one of my team players has leveled up to just exponentially you know, you did, Jason did, Caitlin did, Callan did, Alice did. Every single team player that has been in SBE has created something more. And my goal was to facilitate that. So with yeah. Jason and Caitlin, it was to make money from the original music. I pushed it, forced it, got it on TPM. Their work is incredible. Their flow is incredible. That's their lane. I watched Callan go from an audio tech specialist to running our entire production you know, mm-hmm. and TD, I watched you build this podcast, business and podcast. I, I watched Alice build a business in New York 
from being from a foreign country into one of the biggest, most built-up cities in the US and make it work. And like all those people around me, every single one of them was growing and my job was to facilitate your growth because Mm -hmm. if I could give you that, you would stay with me forever because you're growing too. Mm -hmm. And people Mm -hmm. say all the time, how do you get such amazing staff? How do you get them to stay? Why are all your staff and team like family? And I was like, because it's an equal exchange. Um, I make it very clear that I'm not a boss. I make it very clear that I am, um, you know, a goal setter and a go-getter and that I love working with people that are powerful, but I want you to be constantly thriving and working on your next step up, right? So Mm -hmm. that's how I kept my team. Um, I'm going to be really honest and say the six years of growing SBE were very similar to the six years of growing my portrait business. I was not nice. I was not a nice boss. I have been through anxiety that I have never experienced in my life trying to learn um, to hold all of this up and how big this got and how fast it got. I've had meltdowns. I have had tempered tantrums. I have been somebody that you don't want to be in the room with. I have sat down with those people, these people, and begged for forgiveness. I have worked through it. Um, and they stayed and they stayed. And it, like when I think about that now, like what the, the tough times and the teething and the growth pains, and I am so incredibly grateful for those players because if that equal exchange kept them there, then even when I was being my worst and my most stressed, I was still giving because I must have been, because they wouldn't have stayed. And when I did speak with all of you about it, of who I was becoming and and hating who I was becoming, and and when I think about it, um, and I've talked to you all about it, you all like disagreed with me, and I was like, and I I was no, don't let me off the hook because I know wh- where I was and what I was, but help me to understand that what was good about it so that I can understand why you stayed mm-hmm. and and know now that now that I'm through it and I've grown so much, I have fiercely committed to every one of these people because yeah. they I, I don't joke when I say they walk through hellfire with me um, and I I will spend the rest of my days, um, you know, doing the same for them. So that was personally the biggest challenge of building SBE in the last six years and the team around me and the community and then the mentors and supporters, the people that rose to the top, they willingly started to mentor people in the group without being asked. You know, we made them a a team of people because they had really done the work and then they are now the ones coming up and it's a whole new world. The first five years was teething. Now I'm seeing people that have truly crossed over to success and now are giving back to our community and growing as mentors and the next line is coming up and holy cow, this is insane. God, that makes me really emotional listening listening to you say that. And, and yeah, I think when people disagree, it's because everyone understands that that's just one little 
part of you. And you are someone who is always on a trajectory of self improvement and self empowerment and growth. And I remember you telling me, like, I know I'm, I know I need to work on certain things. And then you did mm-hmm. and you do. And that's something that you encourage all of us, whether it's someone who's just on your education platform, not just on, but someone on your education platform or someone in your life personally. Everything that you just said, the way that you describe just elevating people consistently is so, so, so true. And I think that's what makes you just a better educator than most. I mean, truly, it's... it's. I've had to go through all the stuff that I teach. And mm-hmm, weirdly, mm-hmm, weirdly, mm-hmm. even when you identify it as content, so when people ask you, and they ask you all the time, like when you start speaking, people are like, do you teach workshops? Do you, do you have a book? Like, do you have an education site? Like people are asking you, do you mentor? They're asking you what they want. So, you know, it's mm-hmm. you don't have to sit there and go, I'm going to be an educator. I started speaking. I said I was going to be a speaker because I had a great business model to talk about. And then I realized when I got up there that people are like, I want you to mentor me. I want you to teach me. I want to, you know, I want you to have an education site. Do you do videos? Have you written a book? And so I was like, Mm -hmm. well, I'll I'll get to it. And as I started to write out all those lessons, I would be confronted with maybe teaching a class on creating my sales system. First, I had to spend weeks in meditation and thought over how I actually created it with nothing, how I broke through it, how I got used to money, how I got valuable, how I mastered that. Once I actually went through it in my own brain and started to write it out and can I teach this? Yeah, I can teach this all right. But first I had to actually, I didn't know what I knew until I started teaching it. Then I started to teach it. And it was so exciting to me because I remembered thinking, I will retire from photography one day. And if I don't pass this torch on, People will not build this business and this confidence and this self-growth mm-hmm. that I managed to get. That was my motivation. And then the rest after that was just follow joy and creating it. Mm-hmm. My biggest stress was, you know, delivering it, growing big day to day. And that's where you have to get really comfortable outsourcing. You know what? You have to constantly remind yourself of this one thing. Angie Whitten came up to me at the conference last week and she said, four years ago when I met you at the first conference, you said to me, you will break through. One day you will break through and then you will stand in front of me and you will say, I broke through, Sue. And fast forward, she stood in front of me and she said, I broke through, I broke through and you told me I would break through four years ago and I broke through. And I looked at her and I said, and I bet you, you don't even remember what you were like four years ago. Mm. And she Mm. just went, oh, and I said, because you weren't the same person that you are now. And so I'm always teaching from a place of my history and my experience, but I'm not the person I was 20 years ago. I couldn't Mm. do what, uh, what I do now 20 years ago. I couldn't speak to a room full of people 20 years ago. I couldn't do it, not 15 years ago, you know, not 11 years ago. It was, I I could not do it. I had to master that. So I feel like people give me a lot of credit for changing their lives. But as I always say, you did it, you've got to change it. But when I would think of something to learn so I could really communicate it to you, 
the biggest thing that used to blow my mind was I would experience those lessons almost instantaneously. Like, let's say I'm talking about setting boundaries and and calm confrontation. And people are like, Sue, can you teach us how to set boundaries in our work life, how to set boundaries in our personal life? I would go, yep, I would go into content writing mode. And then I would be slammed with all these very confronting lessons on boundaries and confrontation. Like I'm asking the universe and I'm like, you know, oh, right, I'm going to teach confrontation and boundaries. Next minute I'm getting confronted and I'm having to set really hard boundaries and have difficult conversations. As I'm leading up to this class, it's like my life is suddenly mirroring everything that's going on. And I'm getting these profound, like, bang, bang. And these lessons will put me down. Like, I'll be crying. I'll be down for a night. I'll be in a dark place for a few days. And then I'm like, I am learning this because whatever is coming through me right now, it's it's like experience it, remember what it feels like. You're bringing it back to your energy. And all of a sudden, my focus goes mm-hmm. back to what it felt like to set boundaries when it was hard. And I will struggle to set boundaries until I get that lesson because the world is responding to your emotions. So writing this content for me instigates massive response of emotion in the sense that I'm often going back through real big lessons and they are getting brought to my table and then I can re-experience them in a way that I now have the now sue. And then I just, you know, put it out there as at, at as many levels as I can. So wherever you are, you might grab onto it. But still, people have heard me talk for years and they're like, the penny did not drop until this time that I heard this talk and I've heard it four times. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. you got to be ready to hear it. Yeah. 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 Someone asked in the group, if you could go back, is there anything that you would want yourself to have known back then? And you know, and not so much, obviously we have to live the lessons and go through it, but is there anything that you would say to yourself and yeah, and what things would you ignore, I guess? Okay. Self-value, then, yeah. self-value, 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 and self-value. <laughs> but here's the thing. I couldn't have worked on my self-value and then built my two businesses. I had to find my self-value building those businesses because mastery gave me confidence and Um, consistency gave me confidence. Uh, Mm -hmm. Congruency gave me power because I I stuck with the next step, not 10 steps ahead. I was constantly, what's the next step? Break it down. What's the next step? Break it down. What's the next step? Break it down. Just break it down. So if the next step is too hard, you haven't broken it down enough. Break it down, break it down, break it down. And then I wouldn't be overwhelmed. Um, mm-hmm, I had mm-hmm. I had too much of myself involved in building this. What will people think of me? Uh, will people mm-hmm. pay me? It was me, me, me. When I think about how me, me, me I was, I was like, how did anybody ever get the sense that I was creating a, a service or a product for you? I mean, I called my photography studio you. So it's all about you, right? <laughs> um, it's all about you was my message. But the truth is, is my energy was all about me. I'm not good enough. Nobody will spend this money. And it's just constantly projecting this energy of low value and not good enough and equal exchange. No. So yeah, Mm -hmm. had I been able to work on my self-value first, wonderful. Um, But I wouldn't have been able to. So in hindsight, I would go back and I would sit Sue down and I'd say this, um, you are about to get the greatest 
masterclass in self-value, building this business that you will ever experience in your life, I can't give you those lessons before you start. So I'm going to give you a couple of other tools. Master your craft, find your joy in that craft, whatever that genre is, find that, Mm. follow it every day and start to learn how to sell. Those three things are tangible steps to Mm -hmm. contributing to your future in the most incredible way. Those are the three things. Self-value and confidence are going to come through every one of those steps. Master that craft. Find the joyful part in that craft. For me, it was glamour photography. It was a transformational experience of women finding confidence in their selves and their beauty and their in their soul. And to me, it was unfolding people that desperately wanted to be seen and heard and feel valued. That's what portraiture was for me. That's where I found that joy. And then the third one is creating a sales system. A sales system is just a system. It's such a system. You're going to get a lot of resistance from your value, you know, because you're creating something that you're like, I built this, I've made this with my hands, and now I'm going to charge $1,800 for it. You're not worth that. How do you sleep at night? (laughs) That's where the resistance comes Mm -hmm. from, but you're going to learn all the self-value lessons on your path. But those three steps are ultimately the core and the bottom line for anybody wanting to create a better life and a more successful life or if you're a solopreneur or you want to be an entrepreneur and start a business, start with those three things and master your craft, you create a product of value. Once you have a product of value, you are selling that and you are earning money for it. You're getting confidence. Then all of a sudden you create an experience of value. Then you start getting all this evidence that you're valuable. And then you kind of realize, well, maybe I am valuable and you just keep pushing into that value. That's why the value is going to grow you so much Because as you walk towards that confidence, you're just going to get stronger and stronger and realize that the evidence is now not how do you sleep at night. The evidence is you're incredible. Look what you've built. Look what you make. And then you -hmm. you start to see the value that people see in you. Uh, That's the bottom line to everything. I would go back to her and I would just focus on those three things. And you know what? When I think about it, I did master my craft early on before I built my business. I did find my joy, my joy in my genre. Um, what I didn't do fast enough was push into the sales and the money because I came from an indigenous, mixed, uh, no education, lower socioeconomic, blue collared parents that were hard workers, and I just could not get the money value. Like the money thing for me made me sick. I couldn't earn money. I repelled money. So had I hit that sales system earlier, I would have really come to a place of self-value much sooner in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I guess I did it backwards to get to there. But a lot of people are like, when I'm valuable, I'll start my business. And it's like, nope, that's not going to happen. You got to start now. Mm Mm-hmm. Another thing people were asking about is, is I guess, just like managing it all. And we've had a lot of conversations around this of just how to really, how to do it all so that we're not having meltdowns all the time. You know, okay. Obviously having a business, you could work 24-7. And this is something that you and I are both working on 
to not always be so fucking busy. Yes. And you know, my friends (laughs) in business, all my friends in business and (sighs) all my friends are friends in business, right? So inevitably they might not be photographers, but we're all in business. So we're always talking about being in business. Um, What is it? Mark Zuckerberg's sister, you know, she said there's family, friends, career, workout, sleep, choose three. Um, I think there's six relationship. I'd put relationship in there because even if you have kids mm. and family, you know, your um, relationship you know, is still a primary in there. And so six, and you get to yeah. choose three a day, right? So th- every day you really only choose three because <laughs> you can't have six. You just can't. So you either drop the friends. You, I, I mean, I drop workout every single time. <laughs> you give me a choice between <laughs> right. workout and sleep, I'm taking sleep, you know, and uh, I'll drop workout. I'll drop friends. Definitely. I'll drop family. Definitely. But, you know, I also live away from my family. So it, that's an mm-hmm. easy drop. You know, I, I make the time to call them my mom, but, you know, I'm not hanging out with them. So that takes that off my plate. You've just got to realize you can't have it all. And if you choose from that top six and you say, what gets my priority and focus today? Um, You have to choose. And there is definitely room for three. If you go, I'm choosing career, career, and career. So you mean per day, though? Yeah. This isn't just like overall, but each day. each day. Yeah, yeah. You can rotate through them. If you're choosing your Mm -hmm. top three are going to be career, career, and career, and you're going to work 24 hours, then the other five are going to suffer. You can't do that. It's just not possible for you to do that. Smarter, not harder. Um, If you're Mm -hmm. choosing career three times, you're hiding from one of the other five. (laughs) You know, and and why are you hiding from it? So to me, balance really came down to um, being effective when I chose my top three. Like balance is, I'm not going to force myself to do anything. Uh, If I don't want to work out, I'm not going to work out. So I'm going to just really be present and say, how are you going to move your body today? And if I say I don't want to work out, I don't want to go for a hike, I don't want to go for a bike ride, I don't want to get on that Peloton, I don't want to do anything, then I don't do it. I'll go and hop in the pool for an hour or meditate or stretch. Like I I don't want to make myself do anything. I want to be in a place of joy. So whatever I choose, it has to be effective and I have to be winning in that space. But yeah, that's where I find balance. Also, I have a really solid morning routine. And it's, I organize my mind. So I get up, I do not open my email, and I do not open my social media. And that comes from Jim Quick. I love reading all of his books. Um, Jim Quick says, the second that you hit social media in the morning, that's a whole lot of people wanting things from you. You know, and for me, my business and community is on there. I would get up at 6 a.m. and be on there for four hours. It could take my day down because I'm mm-hmm. I'm spending the first hours of my morning giving to hundreds of other people. That's not how you start your day. Now, I do not touch my phone. Um, I do not touch my computer until I've organized my brain. So I sit down and I do my to-do list. I'm a problem solver. I'm a solution finder. I'm a go-getter, I'm a goal-setter. Those are my strong things, and every day I want to be organized. I want to organize, you know, my to-do list. I prioritize it. What am I going to outsource Mm -hmm. to my team? I make time. So first, organizing that brain, I create an action list every morning, and my action list, if it's big, 
I take it down to three to five because anything on that action list, if it's not three to five, the third thing I do is at 9 a.m. I activate that action list. I talk to my producers about what I need. I talk to my partners about everything we need to create, what's happening. I talk to, you know, um, my team about what days we'll be doing shoots and what days we're going to create it. And after I've done all my action list, by 10 a.m., every phone call, every booking, every outsource, every email has been done and caught up with. Um, This is a routine that I have developed over this last six months to a year when COVID hit that is completely changing my path. I mean, I always did it to some degree, but now I'm rigid about it. I make Mm -hmm. sure that every day I have one hour to move my body. I can choose whatever I want to do. It just has to be body time. It's not going to be work. It's not social. What can be, but I have to be moving my body. I can dance for an hour. I can walk, hike, run, lift weights, cycle, go and get a massage, go and lie in the sun. It doesn't matter what I do as long as it replenishes my physical body and makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. Um, I try and do that in the afternoon. So then my 10 o'clock to my three o'clock, my five most effective hours during the day is curating, creating content. And that brings me the most amount of joy, but I cannot curate and create content if I haven't organized my mind. Oh, there's one more step before I, after I do my action list, sorry, I organize my brain, no social media, no emails. Then I organize my space. This is really big for me. Mm. Um, If my Mm. space is not clean, I have no flow. I clear it out. Mm, I make sure my house is tidy. I cannot work from home if there's dishes in my sink. I get cluttered. Mm -hmm. And so I want to quickly just whip through my house, get my house organized. Because when my space is organized, I feel this flow and it's so powerful. Mm -hmm. Then I create content. I choose some body time. And then at about four o'clock, I'm always looking to my husband at four o'clock because he's my number one. And that's our time from there. We spend the evening together and how are we going to do that? And my husband comes with like a lot of friends and they are now, <laughs> and they're now my friends. So uh, we have this huge group of friends that my husband is constantly, we are really social. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, I have the best social life on the planet and he books it all. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I feel, it. yeah, I try to keep that structure because it really yeah. works for me. And it's really important that I set boundaries around my time. And mm-hmm. that was when it my business really took off. When I started to set boundaries around my time and- Oh, so important. Uh, and it's one of the hardest things to do, but mm-hmm. you've got to do it. Yeah. Someone else asked about friendship, you know, speaking of friends and friendship and, you know, friendship is one of my highest values for sure. But like you said, setting boundaries around time, I, the, I don't know if it's just the older I get or the more, I, I don't know what it is, the more I just value my time, but my ability to spend time only with the people who I truly want to, I think is so crucial. And someone had asked about, you know, our friendship and just how do you maintain great friendships and that sort of thing? And I was thinking about this and the people who I kind of have not spent as much time with anymore, you know, over the years and that sort of thing, like are needy. (laughs) Like they don't understand the boundary of, of time. And sometimes I'm not going to get back to you right away and that's okay. And, 
there's just something about having people in your life who are very understanding of not only my boundaries, but their boundaries and just how it all, it all just is so important with business, with relationships, with friendships, with, with all of it. Yeah, it is. I, I don't, I don't maintain friendships with people that need to go steady with me. I'm a very busy person. Yeah. Yes. Like if I don't respond to a text for two days, um, you would hit me up and go like, yo, <laughs> read my text. Or you'd send me an arrow. Like you wouldn't be like, have I done something wrong? And yeah, I'm like, no, nah, dude, I'm busy. To me yet. Yeah, like, I'm filming. I don't, you know. Yeah. And then this, um, it's this constant expectation that people have of you. And mm. um, some people just need a lot more. I want to, I want to pick up where we left off, but know mm-hmm. that there's been maybe three months since I've actually seen you, which means you're going to have a lot to tell me. Because to me, I'm like, oh, I haven't seen Nikki for so long, even though I might talk to you every day, um, that I get to actually catch up with you. Um, I like to pick up with people where I left off. Just mm. to me, it's like I know you might not hear from me for a week or two weeks, but I love you and I think about you all the time. I'm just going to be busy doing my life and – I like it when other people are the same. So, yeah, you do have to find people that flow with you. Um, I'm going to struggle with anybody that needs something from me in that relationship space because it's mm. just not the to- sort of friendships that I that I value is not yeah. somebody well, that I have to maintain. Yeah, it goes back to that, you know, even exchange, receiving and yeah. – how do you say that? Equal exchange. Equal value, yeah, yeah, equal exchange. It's, yeah. it's a give and take. And and same with I think about it too, not just with friendships, but even with your clients. If you're being really needy, or right, you know, th- it doesn't feel like there's an equal exchange happening. It really spills over into everything. I think love language takes a play in that because you know, oh yeah, you know, you yeah, think yeah. about your love language and how you like to give love is one thing, but how you like to mm-hmm. receive love. Um, I was with a friend this weekend, and her love language is acts of service, and. Mm-hmm you know, inevitably she's in my home doing all these acts of service for me and I'm receiving this love too. Like I'm really appreciating her and and she's such a great friend and then I'm giving her acts of service back, you know, and mm-hmm. just helping her and it was just an incredible weekend of feeling filled up. Like my yeah. heart feels filled yeah. up. I'm, I'm going to struggle with people that need um maybe something that I don't give naturally. So I think finding love language in your friends and your clients, like how you like to, some people like to create all these gifts with the product that they create. I'm not a gift giver. It's not my love language. Mm -mm. I like to give gifts, um, but I don't, I see what I made as the gift. So I didn't really want to add all these add-ons, but then I realized some people have gifts as their love language. So they want to do the card thing. They want to do the words of affirmation because it's how they express themselves lovingly. And, uh, yeah, yeah, so I think it works. I think it definitely is part of how you create your experience of value is around your love language and how you naturally engage with people. And But oh, how yeah. you receive love is how you keep friends because, obviously, if you don't feel loved back in equal exchange, your friendship's going to fall apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the love language is something that I live and die by, basically, <laughs> with my husband, with my friends, 
with my family. I mean, and, and I'm so, so aware of who has what love languages and what they need. At least I think I am. I try to be. And I think that's something that helps, you know, for me to be able to have such solid, deep friendships and to have such a, like a, an amazing marriage. And it's, it truly is so, and with my kids too, their love languages. I mean, I'm, I'm already working out what theirs are. And I'm, so, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, I don't know if, if everyone even knows about the book, The Five Love Languages. Mm. It's incredible. It's, it's been life-changing for me. It is. My husband's love language is quality time. And you can see that mm. in the hundreds of friends mm-hmm. he has and how much quality and value he gets from being with them. My love language is yeah. um, acts of service. And I, you know, I think we manage our uh, time together really well because I know he wants to spend time with me and I like doing things for him and he also receives that very very well because it's also ties into being together and time spent so I don't know I find that that's super easy and I'm really grateful that I have that give and take because it feels like all of our needs are being met yeah. Mm. You don't share a whole lot of personal things in general. So it's nice to hear just a little bit. I mean, I've, obviously I know, but our listeners, you know, you don't post on social media, your personal business life. You share so many of your stories that are personal because it relates to teaching, but you don't share a whole lot of personal. I'm not, I'm really not that know, interesting. If, so. <laughs> <laughs> People always say that to me. I'm like, you I know, to differ, I'm but. really not that interesting. Um, <laughs> what could I share personally? I think that um, the weirdest thing about being in a public profile or forward facing or having people know you is you become a verb or you become an adjective mm. and that, oh, you got surprised or, you know, you suddenly become these things and you're effectively talking about my name, but, you know, you're maybe not, you're looking at it more like a brand. And that is super unique because, you know, I obviously when I'm in a room of photographers, I get a lot of attention. I get recognized in the street. I get recognized around the world. I can be walking in the street in Venice and, Somebody recognized me in Italy, Venice, and then I can be walking in the streets in Brisbane and somebody recognized me publicly. And my husband was with me both times, just shaking his head. And But at the same time, um, something really significantly changed, I think, when we, well, when George built um, the Portrait Masters Conference the first year in 2017, mm-hmm. because I made the three boys come out on stage with me that day and it stopped being about me being on the lead horse. Even though I'm the one whose mm. face you look at and it's my content, they are also my business partners that have grown this business with me and they each have this unique skill set, which I talked about. And obviously my husband's is building conferences and I met George at his conference in Vegas in 2010. I was a student, so I met him at the first conference I ever went to, which was the reason I became a speaker, was meeting him on this platform and going, this conference is insane, and I want to be part of this. I want to be a speaker. I want to be an instructor. I want to be an educator. That all came from him. Um, And so, you know, he's growing a lot of speakers into big profiles. That's what he does. He's always been the head of talent at Creative Live, and then he books speakers and he builds these conferences. 
But when they all walked out on stage with me that day, people stopped seeing it as just being super ice and they started to see that I have these three powerful dudes around me that each come with this massive, incredible skill. And it helped Mm -hmm. um, people see, you know, George as being my equal, not somebody that was like, you know, because at first it's kind of like you don't want to be this dominant person in this relationship. Um, I wanted to marry my equal. It took me a long time to find that. You know, I didn't find my equal until I was in my 40s. And and even then I'd started to think maybe I was going to be single for the rest of my life and that I would never find anybody to walk alongside me. And, um, yeah, I mean, walk alongside me is not an easy thing to do. You know, I walk fast and (laughs) (laughs) I expect a lot. Um, You know, I expect a lot as an educator. So if you can imagine that Mm -hmm. I expect a lot from the people in my team and also from the people in my life, then, yeah, I do. I'm 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 hard to please. I'm a very strong person. I'm an activator. I have a lot of command. You know, I've had to develop skills in order to build this business that make me, you know, I can, I scare a lot of people. <laughs> I don't, well, I don't, I don't intentionally me do it. I don't think it's hard to please you. I just, like you were saying before, if you aren't going to continually level up, then what's what's the point? I know, and, and I'm probably a bit concrete like that in my personal life. So um, yeah. to me, I'd start dating a guy and I, I would be like, you're not going to, you're not yeah, this is not going to happen because you're going to have to step up, buddy, faster than that. And, you know, I married somebody that stepped up constantly. In fact, most of the time he might have just been leading the way and just going mm. like, come on. And it it was incredible. I never wanted to be married in my life. I always thought like, whatever, I'd rather have a business than a husband. Like it seems <laughs> more effective. And And now I just have, I feel like I have both and it's, incredible. I love being married. I love being in this relationship. Most people don't know this about me and I was quintessentially single from my mid-20s until um, I turned 40. I focused on my business and my career and I didn't date. I didn't have any long-term relationships. So meeting George, I was in my first ever adult long-term relationship and I didn't share any of that because I didn't even know how to like get through it. I was like, I'm going to screw this up really badly because <laughs> I've not done it before. So I've learned more about myself in a personal space by being in a relationship yeah. with him in the last five years than I have. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Really a lot. And I was a bit behind there. So for those that have done their long-term relationships and now you're just starting a business and, you know, it doesn't matter which way you do it. It'll come to you when you're ready. And uh, I yeah. pushed off love. I pushed off love more than I pushed off loving my career. And I realize now that um, I'm sad that I took so long to push off love because now I've found this great love. Um, but at the same time, I kind of think I don't know that getting into a relationship younger might have stopped me from becoming Sue Bryce because mm-hmm, mm-hmm, as a mm-hmm. woman building uh, a business. Totally relate. Yeah, and I can only talk to the women um, during this is I wanted to build a business and all the evidence or feedback I got was you can't, you're a girl. I wanted to have an international career where well, you can't because you're a girl. I want to be the best educator in photo space where well, you can't because you're a woman. We're all the men doing this. 
um, I want to be financially independent. Well, why? You're a woman. You know, you're, you're attractive. Some guy's going to marry you and look after you. And I was, and mm. every one of the answers to every one of those questions were, nobody's going to do this for you, Bryce. Nobody's going to pay for you to have this life. You need to pay for this life. Nobody's going to pay you to travel the world. You're going to have mm-hmm. to travel the world, and you're going to have to make this work. Nobody's going to do this for you. There's no free ride. And had I married a wealthy man that gave me everything that I wanted, I wouldn't have chased or fought for what I have. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I pushed away a relationship. It wasn't not happening to me. It was I just didn't want to have it and didn't want to have mm-hmm. a long-term relationship during that time. And I appreciate that I didn't, yeah, to mm-hmm. get here. So, yeah, it's tough and you've got to grow. I mean, a lot of your growth in business, Nikki, came married. Like you're mm. now with a husband that was like, well, when I married you seven years ago, you weren't working 12 hours a day. You weren't <laughs> becoming Nikki Klasser. You certainly had different goals. Like mm-hmm. you changed and grew. And my mum always said, I always leveled up and your dad always stepped up with me. Oh, that is like the definition of my husband and I. Yeah. I, he comes right along. Yep. And had I married someone else, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what I would be, but I wouldn't be this. Not that I wasn't capable of it, but when you have someone either holding you back or supporting yeah. you along the way, it makes all the difference. Yeah. I think. Not that you can't do things without a partner, because obviously you did. I mean, yeah. for, but having that person who is willing to level up with you is, it's, it has been truly incredible for me. This is what it comes down to for me. Um, so many of us become people pleasers and so many of us get stuck in a life where we think we, we are doing mm-hmm. what other people want for us or how other people want it. Mm-hmm. Um, when you actually stop being a people pleaser and start putting boundaries around what it is that you want and how you want to live and what you want to learn and how you want to grow and how you want to develop and empower yourself with money or business or, you know, socially or, or whatever that is, um, that change is frightening to somebody in your life. And and all those people out there that are listening to this that are starting a business that are worried that they're going to leave their partner behind or wondering if they should leave their partner behind. You Mm -hmm. don't need to cut that off. You need to start growing and see if they are interested in coming with you. Like to Mm -hmm. me, it's not a matter of I need to leave my wife because she's stopping me from being a photographer (laughs) or I'm going to leave my husband because he doesn't believe in my dreams. Show them that you are walking that path and it's what you truly want. There is nothing more intoxicating in this world than somebody in their flow walking towards what they truly want, doing the work, showing up for themselves every day. Give your partner an opportunity to be scared by it. Give them an opportunity to be impressed by it. Give them an opportunity just to watch you work Stop looking at them for validation. That's what you're doing. You're saying, validate me, then it's okay that I walk yeah. this path. Yeah. I mean, I will walk any path. I And it's reminded of if I want to buy something, I am independent of my husband financially. I've built a mm-hmm. business and I've built a financial independence. And, and even though we share our, our you know, money and how we live our lives together, I also can buy what I want. And the conversation is jokingly, it's like, oh, did you give Sue the credit card? 
And George will be like, no, she's got her own credit card. Like, and, <laughs> and I often would think, did you give her the credit card? And then I was like, and I was like, no. And then if it is, I was like, well, I want to buy this. And he was like, oh, really? Well, that's a big ticket purchase. And I'm like, but if I buy it myself, why would you want to stop that? And yeah. the language around it and just constantly making it like, I want what I want now. I would always consider my my husband. In fact, my yeah. mom told me 55 years of marriage, um, their relationship was so beautiful and so honorable and so respectful. And she told me the secret was consideration. She was like, mm-hmm. your father considers mm-hmm. me in every decision he makes and I consider him in every decision I make. Um, I will always consider my husband, but I, n- I do not consider him in a people please away anymore because mm-hmm. it, it takes, that's, yeah. That's such a difference. That's oh, such a difference. Such a difference. And so it's really about being the person I want to be and growing in that power. And, and so I shouldn't have to ask my spouse if I can grow. I should mm-hmm. just start growing and giving it all this powerful, positive energy and let my partner go, look at you making money. Look at you getting confidence. Look, look at, wow, look at you living your dreams. And then looking at them and going like, right, what do you want to do, build, grow? And you can I, do anything, anything you want I, too. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. My, and just watching my husband just grow, like, you know, be in business and grow and just be super powerful like that, that is thrilling mm, and you know best. also there's this thing it's it's so much growth in connection like to have a deeper connection in your relationship and to have that intimacy of trust and watching somebody grow it's it's intoxicating I look at him mm-hmm. now I always wondered how people stay um how they keep the love alive in a long-term relationship and the longer we're together yeah I look at him when he steps up in any way, shape, or form, and I just think, I am so attracted to you right now. Like, it's mm-hmm. so much more than, like, it's so intoxicating being with somebody that you know and love and trust and watching them step into something big or bigger. And it's exhilarating and it's like new love, but it's not like, I don't know. I don't even know how to explain that. It has blown my mind continually that I feel completely fulfilled in our love relationship. And uh, I just want to constantly give more to it. And when you stop wanting to give to your relationship and you stop getting anything from it, it feels close to death. It feels like it's over. But if you realign yourself with what you want and let them give them a chance to open up, to realign. It's not really about the two of you. It's really about you. And I feel like working on myself like that brought me to a relationship that I now think is incredible and beautiful and amazing. And whenever we're arguing about, you know, stupid shit, um, you did this, you said it like this, you know, whenever we get there, we've stopped connecting with what, makes us happy as human beings. Mm-hmm. You just got to go back to what am I not doing right now that I'm suddenly concerned by you not asking me if I wanted a coffee or not and why would I care or be mm-hmm. so upset mm-hmm. about something so simple. I get back into alignment and alignment is what I want to do, how I want to do it and what lights me up and then inevitably I'm I'm just lit up around him. Yeah. 
that's what I enjoy the most about this uh, relationship and yeah how blessed I am probably the biggest regret was that I wasn't able to have children um Mm. that's probably the hardest thing when you love somebody you want to make you want to make a human with them and you want to see yourselves in that human being and then watch them unfold because they're yours and I was like that's probably the later in life but that I didn't get but I will find so much joy in all of our friends' children and my nieces and nephews. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, speaking of growth, people want to know what's next, you know, for you. Obviously, your Sue Bryce education isn't going anywhere. Sue Bryce education is the same and it is what it is. And But people are also wondering, because you are always on such a level, a new level of growth all the time. Um, What's next? You know, imagine yourself, you've just built this photography business and you've loved it and you have worked Mm -hmm. in it for six years and now it's time to step up and move out of that business. So just give yourself a little scenario where you close your eyes and you imagine that you just sold it and you just sold the business and now it's time to go and grow and do something else. I did that with my first business and then I went to Australia and tried to start the business again instead of being a speaker, which I I corrected myself. But then as I built SBE, it felt very much the same process as building my first studio. Um, It was just bigger and more Mm -hmm. stress and more pain and you become as successful as the amount of pain that you're willing to endure. And I knew that I could endure a lot of pain. So to me, it was like committing to SBE was like, I wasn't just committing to starting a business again. I was committing to starting a business that was 10 times bigger than my first business, which felt like 10 times more commitment and 10 times more stress, which it was. Um, I know <laughs> that I can endure a lot of pain because I make everything that I experience a lesson. So imagine you've sold that. And the identity of being a photographer in business that you've built all this time, that identity that you had to find in order to be confident and find value in networking and in your business, suddenly you're not that thing anymore. And it's it could be an identity crisis of diabolical proportion. Um, so selling SBE and integrating into the photo group, um, it was it was the most incredible experience of my life because I talk a lot about self-value and I talk a lot about breaking through money and I talk a lot about, um, you know, business and how to build it up. So to me, I was valued in that moment. When they bought my company, um, I felt like that was the ultimate exit scenario to building a business was to be valued for it and to be paid for it and mm. to now integrate it. And wow, what a trip. Um the biggest question people asked me was, how are you struggling with your identity? And I was like, you know, I I feel like I stopped being a photographer when I left my photography business because I became a photographer educator. And even though I still shoot clients, it's not the same. It's just being a photographer, you know, education, the way I post, the way I share, even the way I shoot mm-hmm. for education is not my client work. So I'm de- definitely became more of an educator in 2010 than a photographer. And now that education business has sold and everything that I've learned 
and created in that 11 years is on that library and the community of people there is done. I couldn't have given it more. I give it my time. I give it more of my students coming up who are next up. I'm like, step up. Mm -hmm. Come on. There's a stage up here. I built it. You get to step up on it if you do the work. Like everybody gets a leg up here. Like this is not about me being on, you know, I'm done. I've taught my business model for 10 years. It was incredible. It works. Look at all these people thriving and building businesses. Mm I was done. I've taught everything I need to teach. I'll keep repeating it if you need to hear it. Not a problem. But everything you need for a successful portrait business is on that website. Uh If I did not put a bow on it, um, what would I be doing next? Nothing. I would just stay there. And I've got so much more. The biggest vertical in SBE for me was self-value. And I needed to write self-value for the world, not self-value for photographers, because I can speak very specifically to the unique challenges of building a portrait business and finding your value. But now I would like, and I've done that for 11 years, now I would like to speak to finding self-value just as a solopreneur, as a business owner, or maybe just an employee that wants to learn more about loving themselves and more self-development. I'm writing content and I am so joyful, and I'm enjoying every minute of it. And then um, simultaneously, I have spent the last 11 years creating digital products for the creator community. That's what I've done. Um, For the 20 years before that, I was mastering my craft and then my business. But for the last 10 years, I have mastered the creation of curating content for digital products. And I want to teach people how to curate and create digital products in the creative space. Um, I want to teach people how to speak, how to find their voice, how to build a platform, how to curate content, create content in the hundreds of different ways that I've experienced and curated content for the last 11 years. And I'm currently filming this uh, workshop. It started out as uh, started out as ten videos, and then became twenty four. And inevitably, <laughs> I can't stop doing it. Probably, <laughs> um, and you know, um, I was like, "Hey, Nikki, <laughs> might need a podcast." Like, it's just what it is, it, and it it's eleven years of experience, and I have created tens of millions of dollars of digital products in the creative community in the last. Um, 11 years, I've excelled at it. I have built a huge community. Then I got key business partners that helped grow that. You know, Craig Swanson was the original founder of Creative Life. George Maranagas built WPPI to 16,000 attendees when I went in 2010. I, I text home and I said, I feel like I'm at the Emmys. I got everything <laughs> about walking into that conference in Vegas made me want to be in the US, live here, be a speaker, build this, because uh, it just lit me up like I've never seen before. Aaron Anderson, the world's greatest producer, who ended mm-hmm. up leveling up to our chief of operations in our company because a producer is truly a chief of operations. He can organize this girl like nobody and then a million other <laughs> people and doesn't break a sweat. You know, and that's what I got. I got these incredible key players that stepped up with me and they just made it bigger. Well, that was huge. Now I want to do it again because the last 11 years that I was learning how um, how to take all the content from my soul and my experience 
and make products with it that sell. Making money while you sleep is this idea that you can curate content. You're a content creator and it can go out into the world and you can wake up in the morning and there's money there. And I, I know I've probably told this story a million times, but my mum and dad, when they first, um, we went on holiday together in Australia and we met on the Gold Coast at this really cool apartment. I came out in the morning and my dad was sitting at the table having coffee and him and mum are doing the crossword. I opened my computer and I'd started selling my posing cards online. Mm. And I was like, oh, well, I made $3,000 last night. And my dad looks at me and he, he goes, what? And I said, well, I'm selling my product online now. And I last night I made $3,000. And he said, you made $3,000 where you slept. And I was like, yeah. So that night we go to bed. In the morning, I wake up, I come out, and Dad's sitting by my computer with his coffee, and he's like, going like this. He's like, pointing at my laptop, like, come on. And I go, I laugh. I go, I refresh my sales page, and it says, you made $300 last night. And my dad looks at me, and I say, well, I only made $300 last night. And he goes, well, that was $300 <laughs> more than what somebody paid me to sleep. And that excites me like no other. Mm-hmm. So I have mm-hmm. pro, I'm writing that. I'm ready to film it. I'm enjoying the content um, Ugh, with I can't it. Wait, and everyone's gonna be so excited. Yeah, and I'm basically building the same thing I built with SBE. I deconstructed how I did that. How did I create um, tens of mm-hmm. millions of dollars of of digital products for other companies and then my own company? Um, how did I do that? And what experience do I have doing it? And just like my portrait studio, I could talk for days, weeks, months, years about this because it's truly exhilarating. And anybody who wants to create in that space, stay connected. I'm good to go. Like, yeah. And obviously, I'm just enjoying the SBA community that's coming up every single month. I get to do a live broadcast with you know, our top line of photographers and our next mentor and mm-hmm. our, you know, featured instructors. And there, I have so many incredible friends in this industry that can keep bringing value to this platform. And it's exhilarating to share it. Oh, so excited. I'm so proud of you. And I'm so excited for everything to come. And I know everyone else is too. And I'm trying to write a book, but I'm not an author. And also I can't punctuate which I get told all the time on social oh, media. I'm like, eh, you can pay someone to do that. You yeah, you can that, pay somebody else to punctuate. <laughs> I even um, have this amazing app that does all the punctuation for you. So um, I'm trying to write a book about self-value because I want to just write it all out. I've never done that before. Yeah. Everything I do yeah. is, is spoken or taught. And, you know, I, I write bullet points, but I speak from memory. So I don't kind of actually write it out. And I started to write it out and thought, I'm never going to be able to write a book. But, you know, I don't know how I'm going to just, I'm going to create a boundary to create time to write what I want to write. And and then just see what comes out in that space. Because if I don't create the boundary, I don't really want to do it. But I really want to get it down because I want to be able to read it. And I think it's a challenge to write a book. I've never written a book. I always said I'd turn 50 star in a movie, run a marathon, write a novel. I said that when I was young for some dumb reason. But the truth is, is I was like, you know, I'd quite like to write a book about self-value because it's been 
the biggest profound change in my life is self-value. Can't wait. Yeah. Thank you for opening up to getting personal. I know, I know, uh, I know that's not always your, the easiest thing, most comfortable thing for you to do. So I don't actually get asked a lot of personal questions. I also always say to people like, you can ask me personal questions. I'm an open book. Um, I don't get a lot of personal questions. So (laughs) yeah. Always interesting. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you again to Sue Bryce for being on the Portrait System podcast with me, your host, Nikki Klosser. Having her on is always just so wonderful. So happy to share all of her knowledge with you guys. And I cannot wait to have her on again. Thank you so much for listening to the Portrait System podcast. Your five-star reviews really help us to continue what we do. So if you like listening, would you mind giving us a review wherever you listen? I also encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com where you can find all of the education you need to be a successful photographer. There are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 90-Day Startup Challenge plus so many downloads showing hundreds of different poses. We have to-do checklists for your business lighting PDFs. I mean, truly everything to help make you a better photographer and to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com.